Lift your voice, your hearts, your hands to God right now. Would you do that? And magnify him. Hallelujah. God, you are faithful. Come on, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Would you do that right now? God, you are good. Hallelujah. I am grateful for the name of Jesus today. It's not just a byword, a slang, or a curse. It's not something that we just say haphazardly without thought or intent. But it is something that we speak, understanding, and knowing that it is a name that has been given to us that is above everything that is named. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue confess to the glory of God the Father. Amen. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So when we speak the name of Jesus today, when we sing the name of Jesus in unity, we're not just taking up a space and time, but we are filling time with the capacity of the all-knowing, all-saving, all-sufficient name of Jesus. And so when we speak that over our circumstance and situation of life, we are calling out the name that is above everything that has ever been named. Every cancer, every sickness, every disease, every depression, every woe, every ill, every hurt, every harm. When we speak the name of Jesus, when, we, when you speak the name of Jesus, do you recognize that? When you speak his name, you are calling upon, you are speaking the name, you are saying something that all things must bow to and yield to. So with that knowledge in mind, one more time, would you begin to just speak out the name of Jesus over your circumstance, your situation, your life, your mind, your home, your family, your marriage, your children, everything around about you, everything nearby you. God, we speak your name, Jesus, above everything that's in our life. We know that your name is above it. And we know, God, that we can call on your name and have hope and healing and salvation and safety and purpose, God. And so, Lord, I speak your name in this place today. Not haphazardly, not casually, but with intent, with purpose, God. I, I pray that your name is glorified and exalted here. And this place would be, and our lives would be, filled to capacity with your glory because of your great name, God. So, Lord, in your name, Jesus, we speak your word, your name, your life, you who you are, God, over us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so glad that you are in this church today on this first Sunday of 2024. It's good to be together. Can you say amen? amen? And I am grateful for the faithfulness of God and all that are here, all our guests. We are so glad that you are here and we are thankful. And uh, I trust that you will hear something, feel something, know something today that is intent and purposed for your life. Amen. For all of our lives. God is good, is he not? Yes, he is. Amen. The book of Nehemiah, the ninth chapter. And the 19th verse, I'm so glad <clears throat> to be in the house of God today. Amen. God is faithful, yes? Yes, he is. Uh, now today, on this first Sunday, I approach today with the thought in mind, how would I approach this first Sunday of, of 24 in regards to what I would say? And um, uh, while my mind went to many things, uh, I felt that this was, in fact, what God would have us to know. Now, it may not be today that you hear anything that you have not heard before. 
Um, I looked at today as if I could just put it this way. I looked, I, I looked at this was just kind of like cornbread and beans and meatloaf. Is that all right? May not be anything fancy or something you haven't heard before out of the word that might intrigue you. But with that said, I can say that it will save your life and change your mind if you will hear it. I find that God speaks to me in ways when I least expect it, in ways that I can understand it. I've talked to you about that before, that the Lord is our portion, that he deals with me in ways that I can understand it at times that I need it to be just exactly what I need him to be at that moment, that I could not perceive him to be anything but that at any other time, that at that particular place in my life that I needed to understand him to be that, and he revealed himself to be that for me at that moment. And we are all from the far right corner to the far left corner here. We are all in, in this church, the product of, of the goodness of God that is at work in our life when it is seen and when it is not seen. And so I will show you that today, hopefully by the word. And so walk with me for a moment, if you would. Yet thou in thy manifold mercies, in, in, in the book of Nehemiah, the ninth chapter in the 19th verse, yet thou in thy manifold mercies, Forsookest them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein they should go. Yet thou in thy manifold mercies. Let me speak to you for a moment about manifold mercies. Walk with me. Father, I love you and I thank you for your great goodness. And I thank you for your compassion and your holiness, your righteousness and your goodness towards us and your mercy. Oh, your mercies. Your mercies that are new every morning, your compassions that fail not, great is your faithfulness, God. This I will bring to mind. I will remember this. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us all this day to see that in our life and to know that. To help us, God, to be, to be trusting of you and to surrender all that we are to you and to be saved today. To repent, to be baptized in your name and filled with your spirit. The Lord, we might honor you and that we might live for you and recognize your hand at work at all times in our lives. So Lord, be glorified. Anoint me and anoint this people. And I thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. amen. Now, here, hold on, don't shake hands yet. When we shake hands, uh, <clears throat> when we shake hands, I have you do this often, and I recognize some people don't like it. I do. Um, and I have the pulpit, so I guess that's why I do it. Um, when I shake your hand, I'm doing one thing, two things really. I'm doing two things. I'm shaking your hand because it is, a, it is an affirming of agreement. I am agreeing with you. I am coming in, I'm coming into league with you. I'm in a relationship with you. I'm reaching out to you, you're reaching out to me and we are coming together. The second reason why I like to shake hands is because when I shake hands, I am showing you that there is no weapon in my hand, that it is open that it, it is to receive and to respond. So when you shake your brothers and your sisters' hands here in a moment, you are asking them, you are agreeing with them, you're coming into league with them, you are coming into relationship with them, and you are showing them that there is no weapon in your hand to harm them, that you love them. So now with that being said, find, find two people, and if you're sick, do a fist bump. Amen, don't shake a hand. Amen, find somebody, introduce yourself to somebody you don't know, greet them, bless them, in Jesus' name. For it reaches 
Now sing this with me. To the highest mountain. Come on, I need your help today. And it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Oh, for it reaches, come on, to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley oh, oh the blood that gives me strength from day day to day it will never lose its power Oh, for it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Come on, I want you to sing it one more time with a hand to heaven, for it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, 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 the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Now love him again. I love you, Jesus. How great you are. <coughs> How great you are. How mighty. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. A worm. A worm. That's how David described himself in the 22nd Psalms. A worm. Look at it, if you would, please. But I am a worm, a no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. A worm, um, not even a man, a, a reproach of men. People don't even like me. That was the self-assessment that David, a man after God's own heart, described himself. I am a worm. Everybody say, I am a worm. I am a worm. He was comparing himself to the lowest of lows, a worthless, slimy worm. A person, that did, a person that people did not even want to be around. Look at this. They despised him. Whether it was truth 
or not, whether it was truth or not, it was the narrative that, that played out in his mind. It was how he felt about himself. And no doubt, his view about himself formed his, his view of how he felt God thought about him. For he started out this 22nd Psalm by saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now this was a messianic prophecy. But nonetheless, this was the narrative of David playing out in his mind. My God, why have you, why have you forsaken me? I am a worm. I'm despised. I'm a reproach of men. And no doubt, David felt forsaken. He felt like a worm that, that didn't matter. Nobody wanted him. Nobody liked him. <laughs> yes, it's, we, it's, we've all been there. Yeah. Nobody likes me. Right. I'm just a worm. When, we are at the, we were, when we're in the surge of the storms of life that rage against our mind and heart, please hear me today. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like the Lord wants us to look at him. I feel like God wants us to see him today. When we're in the surge of the storms of life that rage against our mind and heart, it's often difficult to see and feel anything but the elements that we are facing at the moment. When we are in the trial, it is difficult because we are so close to it, it is so close to us that it blocks out the sun that he is. And we cannot perceive the purpose and the intent in it at the time that we are in it. The wind, the waves, the hurt, the darkness, the despair. We feel abandoned, we feel alone, we identify. We identify with David, at least I have. We have identified with David who felt like a worm. A worm with no friends, a worm with no hope. Because it's so difficult to see the purpose of God in present circumstances when all we feel is problem and pain. That's why, that's why Job said that he looked for him on the left hand where he doth work, but he could not find him. Because it's difficult to see God, to find God, to know God, to understand God especially so, when we are in the throes of what is coming against us. Yet just because we cannot see his purpose, it does not mean that there is not a purpose to our predicament. If you would, please. For now, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. The lens we look through, everyone say amen. amen. <laughs> the lens we look through is darkened by the veil of the flesh. Uh, it, it's skewed by all the elements of this life that distort it from being seen through clearly. That's right. My flesh veils the lens that I look through. And coupled with the flesh that I am looking at life through, uh, Brother Streaming, the, the, coupled with my flesh is the elements of the world and life that I see through. Yeah. It is not just my flesh, but it is skewed by the prism that life is, if you would. And I cannot see clearly. I can't see why uh, I am there. I cannot see what is there at times. I can, I can perceive certain things, but I cannot perceive all things. And so we see through the glass darkly. And, and so it's difficult for us to see the hand of God, the purpose of God at work in it. Because there are so many other elements that I cannot perceive the hand of God. I cannot understand God. We're not to understand God completely, but there are things that are revealed to us. There are secret things in God that we will never know in this life on this side of glory. But there are things in God that he does allow us to see and to be understanding of. But the verse does not end with, with that statement alone about speaking in regards to that we see through a glass darkly. It doesn't stop there. For it goes on to say, but then. Look at it. But then. Yeah. 
shall I know even as also I am known. In other words, but then, when? Maybe, maybe a day? Maybe a year? Maybe more? But then, someday, somewhere, we'll understand it better by and by. <laughs> by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered round, ah, we will tell the story of how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. Farther along we'll know all about it. Farther along we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. Why? Because we'll understand it all by and by. Don't you believe that today? Don't you understand that today? Amen. That it is not about the immediate gratification of the moment. Because we have often served God in relationship to church and Pentecost about the immediate gratification of the moment. The chill bump running up and down my spine. The energy in the service or the song that's being sung or how we do or how we don't do certain things. Amen. But, but can I tell you, amen, I may not understand it all. And I, don't, I can't rely on those things because those things will come and go. But I can trust that someday, farther along, I'll know all about it. I'll understand why. But then, but then, everybody say but then. When? I don't know. But then, I do know that. But then, face to face, the picture will be cleared up. The understanding will be grasped. There are some things that are not meant to be known in the present. There are some things that are not meant to be known in the present. There are some things that are not meant to be known in the present. For should we know them, the limited capacity of our heart could not contain the weight of what we must bear. If I knew all there was to know, if you knew all there was to know about whatever it is we're going through, the limited capacity of my heart, your heart could not contain the weight of what we have to bear, and so God veils it from us. You understand this? The mercy of God veils it from us. We don't see it, but yet also there are some things that are not meant to be known, for our flesh would forfeit our faith for present comfort and be secured. In other words, if we really knew all that there was to know, we wouldn't want to go through it, and we would forfeit the faith that we have in God and try to take matters into our own means. And we would no longer trust God. You may feel like David today, Comparing your significance to that of a worm, thinking that God has forsaken you and, and that you are now alone. But the truth is, what we cannot see and what we do not completely know is that the manifold mercies of God have been at work and are at work in ways that cannot be fully comprehended. The manifold mercies of God. Look at this again, please. Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. The pillar... <coughs> of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and, and the way wherein they should go. Manifold mercies, look at this. The word manifold is not an adjective describe, describing a noun. It is an adverb describing a verb. Um, manifold, in other words, it is not describing something that is stationary, but something that is active something that is moving, something that is revealing, something that is unfolding. It is describing mercies, mercies that are new every morning, mercies that are brand new this morning that were not yesterday. There are mercies in the depth of God that we have yet to comprehend. You get this? 
the mercies that you experienced yesterday, those are old mercies. The mercies that you experienced today, they are new mercies. And it is the manifold mercy of God that is revealing. Manifold, look at this. The word manifold means many and, and various, ha having, having many different uh, forms and elements. The mercies of God are manifold. They are many. The mercies of God come in different forms and in different elements. The mercies of God reveal themselves over and through time. I don't see all the mercy of God at work right now. I see the, the limited aspect of my sight uh, that my, my sight can see, my mind can comprehend. But there still are manifold, unfolding mercies. Amen. They come in disguise. I love this about God. The manifold mercies of God come in disguise. The storm that may feel like the end could be the mercy of God that brings a new beginning to your life. Some of you that have walked through difficult days in your existence, that you have gone through storms and trials, it may have felt like the end at the moment, but it was really the manifold mercy of God bringing a new beginning. Do you see that? Yeah. That trial that tests you may not make sense, but it is the refining fire of his mercy that strengthens you to stand in the end. It may burn a little right now, but I may be able to stand then because of it. Israel may have complained about a cloud that stood over them day after day. Somebody hear me right now. They may have complained about a cloud that stood over them day after day, but God did not let it depart from them, for it may have kept them from the elements that could have killed them. Uh, that pillar of fire by night stayed showing them the way that they should go all the while they weren't realizing that it kept them from getting lost. It was there, it was constant, it was a reminder. It may have lit the night sky and, and at times darkened the day, but it was the manifold mercy of God that it remained and did not depart. God could have left them vulnerable to the day in the dark. He did not. You see this? That's what this word is saying. He could have left them vulnerable to the day in the dark, but he did not. He did not leave them. God could have withdrawn his hand and his help and, 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 and been gone. But when you and, and I were contrary and carnal, God did not. He, he remained, and he remained merciful. When you backslid and you walked away from God, when you, when you decided that you were going to live something different, and when you decided that you were going to do your own thing in your own way, it did not withdraw the hand of God and his mercy that has still been at work in your life. Anybody? When you were young and foolish and, and you didn't know what you were doing, but you still did it anyways? Amen. I want somebody to hear me today. God was still there in his manifold mercies. You just didn't see it. When you did it and you, and, and you were on the other side of it and you regretted it, he didn't pull his love away from you. He still loves you to this day, just like he loved you in the beginning. And that is the great goodness of God that works in our life, that God loves us perfectly. In other words, God cannot love us any, Sister Susan, God cannot love us any less, and God cannot love us any more, because God loves us perfectly. And my carnality and my sin does not cause the love of God to withdraw from me. Does it please God? No. Does he approve of it? No. But does it withdraw his love from me? No. Why? Because should it withdraw his love from me, it would diminish him from being the sovereign God that he is. So God loves you perfectly. Yes. 
When you think you're disappointing God on any given day of the week, you've got to remember in your mind. Come on, you've got to rehearse it. You've got to repeat it. You've got to get up early and stay up late and remind your mind, amen, that God loves you perfectly. He could not love you any less, and he could not love you any more because he loves you to full capacity. There is no void or negative space in God. Why? That's why the Bible tells us that all good and perfect things come from the Father above, uh, the Father of lights above, whom, in whom there is neither, neither variableness nor shadow of turning. There is no dark areas in God. There is no shadowing in God. God illuminates every aspect. His love illuminates every aspect of our life. He loves us that perfectly. Amen. God could have left them. He could have withdrawn but it's the manifold mercies of God that are at work in our life that save us so often from ourselves, even when we don't even realize it. That he is still present, that he is still there. The mercies of God, look at this, okay? Look at this, the mercies of God unfold. Like, like the pages of, uh, uh, of a book, the, mercy, the many folds, the, the manifold, the, ma- the many folds, uh, like the leaves of the pages that, that with the turn of each one reveals the message. It shows the story. You see this? Your life is, is the evident work of the manifold mercies of God. He just keeps unfolding it. And one page may have a darker hue than another. Uh, one chapter may have a little bit more light. But still, nonetheless, it is the totality of the story of our life that unfolds the manifold, the many folds of the mercy of God. God revealing himself. The layers and the leadings of his manifold mercies are often not seen and appreciated in the moment. But when we look back, they are only understood then to be the keeping and the saving hand of God that has been and still is at work. That he was there all the time. That he was there when I didn't see him. He was there when I didn't know, when I didn't feel even. He was still there. What may have felt like brokenness then was really just the means of God at work through his mercy restoring you little by little. We can never be restored until we are fully broken. Don't despise the brokenness of God. A broken and a contrite heart, that will not despise. There's something about the brokenness of our life that makes God run to us. It makes God rush to our need, to our point of need. And at that point where we are broken, it is the restoring process of mercy that brings us back to where we need to be. Amen. Don't despise the misunderstood moments and seasons of your life, for it's his manifold mercy unfolding itself for his purpose, and you're good. David's defeat of, of the lion and the bear were just a, you see this, were just a prelude, a, a proving ground for a Goliath that would follow. While there may have been scratches and scars that were incurred in the fight, it was still the necessity for him to fight the lion and the bear then so that he could ultimately defeat the Goliath there in a valley. The things you fight now could define the very victory for you then. We are not what we were. <clears throat> Somebody hear me? Uh, the, the wonderful perspective of the pulpit after this many years, 34, whatever it is, uh, the wonderful perspective of the pulpit is that we are not what we were. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I know I'm not. I know some of you aren't, that's for sure. Amen. We're not what we were. But yet we are also not what, yet what we shall be. Amen. For it's only through the manifold mercies of God that sustain us season to season that the life-giving fruit is born. There is something, somebody hear me, there is something in the soil. There, there is something in the soil, a season, a seed that it, that, that's not seen. But at the right moment, after enduring the conditions, it brings forth life. We have to trust the unfolding of the season of God. Yes. 
They have to trust the unfolding of the manifold mercies of God that work us through this. That's why I've always felt like uh, people in the church, I don't feel like we should ever judge anybody out of the church. I don't care what they're going through or what they're doing. I don't care how bad they look or how awful it feels at the moment. I think people go through seasons. I think people go through difficult days. And I think we need to love them through the seasons. Everybody? Family Life Church, everybody hear me. That's what we're going to do here. That's who we are. We're going to love people through the seasons. We're not going to kill our wounded. I'm going to repeat that. We are not going to kill our wounded. We're not going to be impatient with people. We're not going to judge them out of the church. If they don't do what we think that we, they should do, let, hear me. If you're, if you're trying to judge somebody thinking that they ought to line up to you, come on, they're not supposed to line up to us. We line up to the Word. That's where we live. We live according to the Word. And so what are we going to do? We're going to love people through seasons. We're going to care about them through the manifold mercies of God that are at work in their life, just like the manifold mercies that have been at work in our life. Because can I tell you that while this young man right here may be going through a season in his life, there was a season that you went through in your life. Amen. And just like we need to be patient with him, thank God there were people that were patient with me. I am thankful for those old ladies up at 11th Street that got me down at that altar and they would not let me get up. They kept their hand on my back and in my head, and one was saying, hold on. The other was saying, let go. And I didn't know what to do, but they kept me in that altar. I am thankful that they were patient with me. Amen. I'm thankful that they loved me enough that they kept praying for me. Come on. We love each other enough that we ought to be praying for one another, not killing one another. We ought to love each other enough that we ought to be dealing out mercy that has been dealt to us. Amen. Not judging anybody about the way they live or the way they don't live, but understanding that it is the goodness and the grace of God that is at work that we are all here today in this church having the ability to worship and to serve God. And we ought to give him thanks for that right now. <laughs> There's something in the soil. There's always something in the soil that is unseen. There is a season in the soil that is unseen. And we have to trust the process. Look at this, if you would, please, and I'm almost done. The manifold mercies of God reveals him to be a peace for the past, seeing now what we could not see then, a peace for the present, knowing that what we cannot perceive now does not mean that God is not present and presently at work, and a peace for what is in place in front of us, knowing that he will be what we need him to be when we're there. Your past is not what defines you. Somebody, hear me right now, and I'm almost done. Your past is not what defines you. It is the mercy of God that defines your past. The present place you are in will not defeat you. It's where his mercy will keep you. And your future is not to be feared, for his mercy is already there waiting with all of the provision in place that you will ever need. Look at this, my close musicians, if you would, please. Thy word. Everybody say thy word. Thy word. Everybody okay? Yes, sir. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. I want to help you understand this verse. A lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Mercy was not meant to illuminate all that there is to see. It was meant to let me see enough to still trust him and go forward. That's right. That's what the word was meant to do.
it wasn't meant to illuminate all that there is. Come on, you don't have to have this all figured out today. I don't want anybody in this place thinking you've got to have this all figured out. You've got to have all your ducks in a row. You've got to have your life lined up, and you've got you to do this, that, this, this, and this, and, and, and then you'll be okay. No. The mercy, the light of the word, the mercy of the word is to illuminate just enough for me to take the next step. Not to know all that there is to know. To stay close enough to the light that we don't get out of reach of mercy. You get that? It, it illuminates just enough so I don't get too far out of reach of mercy. It keeps me trusting the light. To allow the manifold mercies of God to unfold in the way and the weight that, that we can accept and, and we can understand them. Because if he unfolded it all, if it all just was revealed to me, if the remainder of my life, whether it be one second or 100 years, if, if it was all revealed to all of us, we could, not, we could not carry the capacity of the weight of what it would be revealed to us. We could not sustain under the pressure that we would see the, the, the hills and the valleys in front of us. But because of the manifold mercy of God that only reveals to us what we need to know at the moment that we need to know it, it enables me to, to allow the, the mercy, the word, just to take the next step. And then the next one. And then the next one. Until finally, I cross that great divide. Amen. God's not finished with you yet. We are a work in progress, every one of us. We are a manifold miracle of mercy. <laughs> and can I tell somebody who might think this is just happenstance that you're here, that your presence here today is, is yet another evidence. It is yet another evidence of his mercy that led you again that led you here again, that, and that, that he's still at work in your life, and he's still loving you enough to save you. Just the fact, you may feel like that God's wrote you off, and it's all said and done, and there's no more hope, and everything's over. No, if you're here today, it's not over. Just know that if he loved you enough to allow your mercies to get you back, to find him, to feel him, to see him, to know him, to see that he's been there all along. That is the wonderful thing about mercy. Mercy won't leave us alone. You understand? That's what Nehemiah was saying here. Because of your manifold mercies, you forsook them not. That's the wonderful thing about mercy. Mercy won't leave me alone. You get that? You understand that? Mercy's not going to leave you alone. You can run, you can try to get away, but God's mercy is so loving, he just keeps trying. Thank God for his mercy today. Amen. David said it this way. I think it was... Uh, Psalms 27, 13, something like that. You don't have to pull it up. I think it's that verse. He said, I, I'd almost fainted if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. <laughs> I don't know about somebody else in, in the sound of my voice who's been at this all their life, but I'd almost fainted years ago if it had not been that I just believed that one day, somewhere along the way, I'd just see the goodness of the Lord. In the, anybody? In the land of the living that God would tell me along the way, he would just drop nuggets of, of, of treasure along the way that would remind me, I, I'm, I'm there, I've got you, it's okay. Your mercy, my mercy's still there, just, just pick it up, amen. You're gonna live, you're gonna live again. I'm not done with you yet, come on. Somebody in the sound of my voice needs to understand that. You're gonna see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God's not done with you yet. There is a, there is a message, there is something in the season, in the soil, 
God's got for you. Come on, with me right now, stand to your feet and begin to pray as they begin to sing and we begin to make our way to this altar and, and we come together today. We, we come uh, not asking anyone to come alone, but we come with somebody and, and, and pray and know that the mercy that's been given to us, we want the mercy to be given to them. We want the goodness of God to be felt and to be seen in manifold ways to unfold itself. Come on, that's, way, that's the way God loves us. His manifold mercies. Come on, love him right now. I love you, Jesus. Ah, oh, I'm so thankful for mercy, God.